the Market Research Podcast Award is back, and it's time to nominate your favorite kick-ass market research podcast for a chance to win the coveted title of MR Podcast of the Year. Nominations are open now through June 30th, and voting will open from July 1st to August 1st. The winner will be announced at Insights Marketing Day on September 28th. Make your nominations today at littlebirdmarketing.com slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Will your favorite Insights podcast make the cut? Welcome to the Mind State Marketing Hour, the podcast for business owners like you who want to learn about behavioral science and how it can transform your marketing and drive more business. This unique concept comes from Will Leach, author of Marketing to Mind States, and co-host Steve Brown, the author of The Golden Toilet. Every week, they bring you the latest in behavioral science-based marketing to uncover practical, real-world methods to designing marketing that compels your customer to listen, care, and act. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the Mind State Marketing Hour podcast. With that, let's get into this week's show. Well, each it's showtime. Hey, Steve, I'm ready. You're, you're live. I'm live. Everybody's live. It's the <laughs> Mind State Marketing Hour. How was your week? Brother. So far, so good. It's been a great week. Uh, did a little teaching already this week, which I always love. And uh, ready for the show. We got a fun show today, I think. A fun show with an intro. It's the Mind State Marketing Hour with Will Leach. He wears a leather jacket. He might carry a knife. I don't know. But he doesn't carry a clipboard. Today's topic, unleashing the power of emotion to create big deal ads. That's right. I'm Steve Brown. I'm the co-host here. I'm just tagging along. I get to hang out with Will every week. It's kind of like uh, I tell people, I'm the smartest guy in marketing. Well, how can you say that, Steve? Well, I hang out with Will Leach every week. Then they so, shut their mouths. <laughs> and they do. They just, their mouths just, they can't believe what I say. And everyone that listens to this is in the same boat with me. Will, t- tell us a little bit about this topic. What's the backstory on emotions? Did you have? Did you tear up this week? What's going on? <laughs> no, uh, I, I actually didn't. But I was actually reminiscing uh, with a friend of mine back in my days at Pepsi, and we're talking a little bit about kind of what's been happening the last decade and the companies I've been working with. And I think sometimes when when you work at a really large company they look at people like us Steve and they're like man you get you're so lucky you get to work with all these different brands and these different topics and they may look at you know soda 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 for 3 decades right mm-hmm. so anyways it was um i was talking a little bit about that and we're talking about how i use the principles that i learned decades ago i guess plus you know all the behavioral science stuff um in t- to help my clients now and we were, we were talking about that I said you know what i wonder if today i shouldn't give like a little bit of peek a peek behind the curtain if you will of what these big companies know um and that's why i kind of came up with this idea of let's talk about emotion and how you know these biggest companies in the world think about emotion and how they use emotion in their um in their creative and i'm going to show you that it's a little bit more sophisticated, but yet really, really simple than you may think. So I just kind of came up with it after talking to my buddy. 
Well, that's an excellent idea because everybody wonders what they do. You know, I, I imagine these armies of people sitting around this big, giant conference table, maybe 50 people, all this mind power on this one challenge of getting this sugared water with a caramel color to yep. sell more than my other guy with sugared water and caramel, caramel color. Yep. There's there's a lot to it. There's big money. There is big money. But some of the principles that they use, and they've spent millions and millions of dollars over decades of learning what makes marketing work, what makes marketing creative win awards, what makes it memorable. It comes down to it, just a few little simple principles. And uh, that's what we'll share today. See, that's what I'm saying. few little simple principles. Let those big companies hire all those expensive armies of people mm -hmm. when you, as an agency, can go read Marketing the Mind States and you can apply the principles in this book to give you this big giant lever to serve your clients with behavioral science-based insights on their content. You know, I was writing one-size-fits-all content for my clients and I was following the story brand framework. It was a huge lift by putting on the story brand um, framework glasses. Yeah. Big upgrade. But what I learned about mind state marketing, and then I could have states of mind flavored, then all of a sudden went from one size fits all, which is way better than what the competitors were doing, to mind state marketing, which was like dialed in. Huge. So these few little things can actually... If all those people, those 50 people sat around that desk and read Mind State Marketing. We could get it down. We could, <laughs> that's right. We didn't need to have the 50 people. That's right. So no, no, it's, it's a really good way, guys, of thinking about the words you use and the visuals where I think StoryBrain does a great job with structure. We're going to talk about a little bit about structure of stories today, but you want to get down to, okay, so what do I write? And that's where this stuff comes into play. Emotion, emotion. Starts with emotion now. Now I'm gonna can I just mess up your, your intro for this? Is that all right? Sure. For the Let's go. So when when people do in the story brand framework, there's these three our we our hero, which is our client, our customers, they have these challenges. There is an obvious challenge. I need to buy a soda because I'm thirsty. But then there's an internal challenge to this. I want to pick the right one because I don't want to. Maybe I don't want to gain weight. Maybe I'm concerned about my health. So I'm kind of being hard on myself that I'm going to have this secret, secret thing and splurge and get a soda, right? So that's the internal challenge. And it's tied to emotions. And that's where if you can dial that in, it's the big competitive advantage. If you can just sink your teeth into the emotions your prospect is in, in that moment, it's huge. It starts with emotion. I'm almost tearing up. That's how emotional I am about this. <laughs> it is. You know, and I think I, I, I think that in the last five years, maybe even 10 years, most agencies, most people out there know that emotion is important. If you don't know that emotion is important, this is probably, you know, um, you're behind the curve. I mean, like, and that wasn't always the case. You know how it was like back in the 70s and the 80s, you didn't talk about really emotions a lot. Maybe some of your most impressive creative did. It wasn't really a part of the vernacular. Well, now it, it, emotion, we all know emotion is important, but what I want to do is stress this to you guys. 
I think sometimes we think that emotion is kind of like, you know, um, super unleaded versus unleaded. And so your unleaded commercial, if you just put some emotion into it, it'll make it super unleaded, you know, and you get a turbo boost to your creative. I'm telling you that is a superficial way of thinking about emotion. What you should be thinking about emotion is this. It gives gas versus no gas. If you don't have emotion in your creative, and I don't care if you tell me, well, this is just a print ad, Will, or this is just a five-second digital spot. If you don't have emotion in that, there will be no action. Why do I know that so confidently? There's a guy by the name of Antonio Damasio. Have you ever heard of Antonio Damasio? No. It's kind of a big deal in uh, my sciences. Uh, Antonio Banderas. I got that one, but not Damasio. They're similar similar looking, right? (laughs) So Antonio Damasio, neuroscientist, and he he did a bunch of research and I'm going to simplify what he did. He basically studied people that had brain damage in accidents, things like that. But specifically, he looked at people that had brain or damage to areas of the brain that that uh, controlled emotion. And what he found is that these people have had brain damage in the emotional parts of their brain. They're just like you and I, Steve. They look the same. They talk the same. Everything seems very normal, except for one critical thing. They can't make decisions, meaning they would look at a menu and could st- and look at like three options on a menu and they literally could not make a decision. And so they would just keep going through all these options again and again and again. And the big takeaway, and, and this is all published research, is that emotions will actually get people to take an action. That's why you need emotion. It's not about getting my creative more emotional so they'll take more action. It is if you don't have emotion in your creative, they will not take action. So that it all starts with emotion. It's critical to get this right. No emotion, no action. That's that's a will leech. Very simple. Excellent. So the emotion should feel like it connects with an understanding. I should feel understood by you if you're connecting with my emotions. Sometimes I think the folks that are designing marketing have that brain damage that you were talking about. It could be. It that, doesn't make any sense. I'm with you. I'm with they you. have no empathy. It's true. And then we've talked about this. When you get, sometimes you have, um, you know, somebody who's just out of school working on a campaign, you know, they're maybe 19 or 20 and they're doing ads for uh, multivitamins for people in their 60s. I don't care how many books you read or how they can kind of, you know, imagine the world of somebody who's in their sixties or seventies. They just can't guys. And here's why it's because that they are doing a superficial form of empathy. And we always say, you got to walk in the shoes of your customer. And what I would tell you is that that's great. It's important. And I, I, the reason why it's really important, I shouldn't, I shouldn't downplay it. It is important because eventually you're going to want to, understand the, 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 the rules that they have, um, the words that they use, all this stuff matters. I think the issue is, is that sometimes we just try to do this by doing a piece of research um, or day in the life, you know, we'll look at diaries and things like that. And what those things get you is a nice superficial understanding of your customer. But what I want to do is talk to you about being very specific And if your research is just doing day in the life, if you're just doing personas, if you're just kind of looking at quotes from your social media accounts to really try to understand it, 
understand, you know, kind of this empathy and create empathy, it's going to take you a long, long time to where you get to a point in your life where you really understand your customer so well that you can write for them perfectly. So let me just cut out 20 years of empathy for you and give you three things specifically you want to capture. You can do this through marketing research. You can do this through looking at social media. So it's it's not about collecting the information and you know walking in people's shoes differently. It's about what to focus on when you're in their shoes, when you're doing research, when you're talking to your customers. What are the three things you need to know? First thing you want to do is what are their desires, right? Because remember, we just talked about emotion. And if you don't understand somebody's desires, meaning what emotion do they want to feel? Do they want to feel safe, Steve? Or do they want to feel confident? Or do they want to feel in control, right? So emotions matter. So you better understand that one desire that they have for you and your brand. Second thing you want to do is what do they value in the moment? Like, what do they value? What's important to them for that soda? You just actually, in your example, right? Is it to lose a little bit of weight? Is it to um, make sure, make me feel like I'm healthy? Maybe it's to be a little bit sinful and maybe it's to have a nice treat. So you better understand what they desire. So think about what do they desire? What do they desire? What do they desire? What do, what, do, what do they desire? What do they value in that moment? What do they value in the moment? And the third thing is beliefs. And all beliefs are really our accepted truths that we have in life. So you want to read all this stuff and figure out what beliefs do they have? And when you understand literally just what their motivation or their desire is, what they value in that moment that they're going to make a decision and what their beliefs are, you have pretty much everything you need to do to create a story, an effective story. And we're going to talk you know, about stories here in a second because that's what we love to do on the show. Here's a good question on this topic. Can you overdo it with emotion? Oh, wow. That's a great. Uh, Bill, I think you are a B2B. Correct me if I'm wrong. You do B2B work, I think. And if that's the case, you can overdo it on emotion. Let me give you an example that comes to mind really quickly. Remember those commercials with Sarah McLaughlin with the A, right? I will remember you. And they show those sad little dogs, Steve. Those saddest, it's the saddest commercial. It's a joke now because I wish we had the data, but how many people, and I've been in my house and I've turned off that commercial immediately. That is an example of too much emotion. Bill, for you, I, I think that there is a point where having too much emotion, especially in B2B, um, can be a point where in the B2B relationship, some people don't want to feel, there you go, I thought so. Some people don't want to feel so much emotion. It'll feel a bit manipulative, but I don't know where that line is. I can tell you Sarah McLaughlin in, that, in, those, in those commercials, totally overstepped the line, right? It's a joke now. Um, you have to figure out where that line is, but yes, too much emotion can hurt. More importantly is getting the right emotion. That is so critical. You know what I noticed? She was, she was AWOL when that story came out about Fauci and the Beagles, you know, how they were doing all this. They were doing these, uh, animal tests on Beagles. Okay. It was an awful story. Wow. I didn't hear about this. She she was quiet. She didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Fauci. There you go. <laughs> See, she did overdo that emotion to the point that you don't take her seriously. Yeah, she, no, right? you can't. I think even she makes a joke of it a, a little bit too. So that was an example of, of when it can get really bad. All right. So we're, 
we need, I think here, I think this ties into with Bill's question as well. If your empathy is insincere, then you overdid it on the emotion. It's just manipulation. But if you're de you're demonstrating a great understanding of what the the person's wanting to resolve in their right. in their emotional side of their life, then it means you really get them, and that's why they trust you. And I'll give you an example, a real life example that I used in my company for years now. Um, so you know, I got, I do marketing research. One of my companies does a lot of marketing research for these large large brands. And, you know, we like to say, you know, things like we want to provide our customers with the greatest insights possible so they can deliver great value. But that's all crap. If I really empathize with my customer, my real customer, why used to tell us my team, our job is to do anything we can to let this guy or girl go home at five o'clock so they can watch their kid play t-ball. That was our goal. So if I could write an email on behalf of, of my client so that she could send that email to her, to her boss, that... I empathize with her. She just wanted to get home. And so what would I do is like, I'm going to craft up your email. I'm going to send it to you. All you have to do is cut and paste it into your, into your uh, email thing, send it over to your boss. Those little things matter. We create a relationship there because I understood her story and her story was not to create e economic value for her company. Her story was about how can I get out quickly and be the mom that I want to be? That's a great example of empathy. Awesome. So nice segue on the stories. Use storytelling and you're creative. Imagine that. So, you know, so guys, and we, we've talked about this and, 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 and uh, we talked about this in many shows. The best way to evoke emotion is through story. It's, it's the very best way. There are other ways you can do it. I can scare you. I can absolutely throw a spider at you and scare you. And there's not a big story around there, but those emotions are not often great at all. And they're not, they don't really last. So the best way to evoke emotion is use storytelling your creative. It's an incredibly powerful tool. And the way, the way you can do this is, you know, there's lots of different story structures. Um, you know, there, there's things like um, the hero's journey. And then there's, of course, the three act structure, or whatever. We can talk about those in a minute. But really what you want to do, if you want to say, okay, so tell me about the story. What, what do I have to do about the story? All stories have this going for them. One, they have something called contextual narrative. And really what that is, is just what is going on behind the scenes. So you have to set context in any story. Any story has context. So you have to figure that out for your customer. What's the context? And we call that narrative, I'm sorry, contextual narratives, right? And the idea is you may, you may ask your customer, let's say if you're going to, you're a car manufacturer, we've worked with car manufacturers. You would say to understand the context of what's going on in somebody's life. So you can build that empathy. So you can build that story. You say, what led you to buy a car today? And there's going to be this story. It's not going to be specific to what I'm looking for. I didn't ask that. I just said, what made you come in for a car today? And I think, remember, we had, we had um, the gentleman a couple of weeks ago who said that he came into the car dealership and then the salesman immediately was like, oh, so let me tell you about these cars. I saw you look at this car. Let me tell you about the engine or whatever. But the, the, the salesman person never asked why he was in there. Remember, he was buying the car for his daughter. You remember that? I think it was, I wasn't Chip. Anyways, I forgot who the guest was. That's an example of understanding context, understanding what's going on behind the scenes. Then if you understand that with your customer, if you really build that empathy around what's happening in their life, for me, I just imagine, I just told you, for me, it was my clients want to get out at five o'clock because they're more than just clients. They are human beings who have families that they want to be and have these joyous experiences. I understand that about my clients. 
But then the next one you want to do is understand the character, the depth of what the person, right? That's, that's what we're going to have to do to build a story. All stories have a character and they have some sort of context, really basic stuff, right? So to understand the behavior, I'm sorry, the behavioral narrative, you're going to ask like something like, well, tell me about your story. Like, when's the last time you bought a car from me? Or you want to talk specifically, what are you looking for? That's what's called behavior, behavioral narratives. Ultimately, guys, it comes down to this. You've got to set the context. You have to understand the context of your customer, what what's going on in their life, and then their journey. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? If you understand those two things really deeply, you're going to be able to do much better award-winning creative. So, all right, let's brainstorm with me. Yep. So let's say we're in insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, some people might argue it's a very unsexy business. People don't life insurance. We don't want to talk about that. All right. So let's help me understand. Let's say let's pretend I'm in life insurance. Help me understand my my character and their the context of what's going on. So first thing, if I was trying to sell this to you, Mm -hmm. I would start asking you questions like, well, tell me what's going on in your life. Why do you even consider um, why are you even considering life insurance? What would you say? Well, I don't know. I'm. I've got a doctor appointment coming up here next next month. I'm kind of concerned about it, you know. And I've started to think about my my family. Okay. What if something goes amiss? So that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Tell me a little bit more about your family. Do you have a lot of kids, or that you're thinking about as well? Is it just a spouse? Yeah. Seventeen, seventeen kids, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds like you know, if, if something was to happen, then those seventeen kids may may need some support that they would no longer have if some of those happen. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they kind of like you will too. So, yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> well, I'm not me. I'm not marrying you for you to take care of your kids guy. All right. So I want you out of my office. <laughs> so, so, so I'm just trying to get the, I'm trying to understand the context, right? right? Right. You have a doctor's appointment. You're probably getting a little bit fearful. You have this idea that you have these 17 kids and Supporting those 17 kids is going to be really important to you. So I start to understand the, the little dynamics. I could keep taking that a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Next up, what I want to do is say, specifically, tell me about, you're in here for, for some life insurance. Tell me how much life insurance you're looking for and why, why would that, what's that number look like to you? Well, I don't have a clue on what that number should look like. Right. And mm-hmm. so I have a budget, but I'm just thinking of like, what's it going to be? Will they be able to go to school? Yeah. Well, you know, will my spouse be able to pay the house payment for them to live in? Well, yeah. will things continue on instead of upset their world? Yeah. Well, you just told me there, Steve, told me a lot more about the emotions that you have. One, you have fear, a little bit of fear of, can you afford the insurance that's going to help them maintain their lifestyle over the long term? You've also talked about maybe a little bit of confusion because you don't really know what to ask for, right? You just know you have a budget. One thing that you didn't uh, you didn't ask for, which I would tell you now, because I want to understand your journey, would, is rather than saying, well, how much can you afford? I would probably try to say, well, let me tell you about on the average what it's going to take to get your 17 kids to a place of financial you know, uh, security where you can rest assured that they're going to be taken care of. If I just took those three facts right there, and then repeated those to you, you would feel much more kind of in creative, right? You would feel like, oh gosh, this guy understands me. He understands the total situation I'm in, and he understands emotionally how important it is for me to feel secure, to feel confident, and to feel assured that I have enough coverage to, you know, protect from or to provide for my family. Yeah, you didn't lead with, hey, well, you're 
you're in luck. We have a special on this plan. And my company's been around for 30 years. And we've insured lots of people like you. And we're here forever. Yep. That is the, one of the hardest things to do as a marketer is not talk about yourself, but is the most important thing for you to learn as a marketer is to not talk about yourself until much later, much later. You got to build that empathy and, and build that connection with your customer. And you only do that by understanding their story and recreating that story for them yeah. in your advertising. Yeah. Excellent. So perfect there. You, you just tied in the emotional journey. You started to f- focus on the benefits not the features. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, just like you had said, right. Where, you know, the story is never about the tool. It is always about what the tool does for you or what that tool represents. And I have a really bad example that came to mind just now. Um, one of the best stories ever, what I always think of is cause I grew up in the eighties. It would be the whole star Wars, all those films, specifically star Wars, the one I grew up on, right. With the death star. And the story of the Death Star, you, you know, we didn't have to understand the technical dynamics of the Death Star and how big it was and how it operated as a mechanical thing. It was a tool that the Empire was using that represented pure power and kind of conformity mm-hmm. and, and, and align, making sure everybody was fearful of this. So they didn't have to focus so much on the tool. The tool represented the Empire's ability to dominate. So what I want you to think about is Stop talking about your tools. And I've done this. In fact, I, I, I've done this on, on my masterclass, which we're changing because I built this tool, Steve. I love my tools. I love my little masterclass. I love my innovation. I want to talk about it's 12 hours worth of videos for you. It's going to be 14 modules. Each module contains three, four, three or four downloads. And you want to talk about your things, your features, your tools. And you don't care. Nobody cares about tools and nobody cares about my features. Nobody cares about my 12 hours worth of video, except for it sounds pretty intimidating. I have to read 12, I have to watch 12 hours worth of videos. So when I, and I even, I get caught up in, I was looking at it the other day saying, I am talking about my tools versus what these tools do for my, for my customers. And so rather than talking about the 12 hours of videos, um, what I can talk about is how we're going to help you understand how you can you over understand beliefs that people have about your brand and how do you overcome any intuitive or I'm sorry, belief systems that are hurting your brand. And so that it feels more natural. That feels like, Oh yeah, that's something I want to do. Nobody wants 12 hours of videos. Nobody wants nacho cheese on any, well, it's hard to say, but it's nacho cheese tastes really good, but really what they want is they want to have this amazing, you know, taste in their mouth and have this enjoyable time with their friends and Doritos happen to be a part of that. And so that's the way you're going to be a part of it. So focus on benefits, not your features. Really, you don't want to talk about your features until somebody in their story is thinking, this sounds good, but I'm a little bit scared. How do I know that you can give me these benefits? That's because I have 12 hours worth of videos. That's because I have nacho cheese flavoring on this Dorito. That's when features become important. But if you sell on features, you're never going to have that emotional, you know, award-winning creative that you want. So if we're going to recreate their exact emotional journey, these folks that go through your class, help me see it. Yep. So as we had said, you know, story, there's a lot of different story structures out there. I'm not going to talk about all the story structures. We already know that there's the hero's journey. We have brand story that Don Miller made famous. We have the three-act structure. We've got... Um, Freytag's pyramid, for instance, there's lots of different ways you can structure a story. 
let's get rid of all the crap and just think about if you want the easiest story ever for any of your creative, do three things. First is you have to have some sort of a setup. After that, you have to have some sort of a confrontation. And then third, a resolution. That's it. Setup, confrontation, resolution. I just worked on, 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 a, on an ad for, um, um, I can say the name of it, Rejuvenate. So Reju- Reju- Rejuvenate are, is floor cleaning, floor polishing, conditioner, stuff like that. They, they compete against Swiffer, things like that. So they're, they're asking me, how, you keep talking about these emotions and how do we do that in a, I'm going to guess a six second digital ad, six seconds. So I can't do story brand in that amount of time, Steve. I just don't have the time. I can't, I can't talk about the character and I can't talk about that. But what I can do is do a setup, a confrontation and resolution. So here's what we did. The setup was showing a floor that had scratches and toys all over it. That was a little bit of context, the setup, and then some copy. I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase a copy, but it was thinking something like um, ready for the dinner party. So that was the setup. Then you saw the conf- confrontation. There's, there's scrapes on the floor. There's toys that looked like, you know, maybe some matchbox cars were there. And all of a sudden a resolution, a little, a little rejuvenate mop goes across that wood floor and all of a sudden, ding, the little sprink, the little stars. That was that my star impersonation there, Steve. Ding. And all of a sudden, there was resolution. That was a six-second ad, one piece of copy, and then all of a sudden, the brand shot up in there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. We just had setup, confrontation, resolution, brand. That brought in emotions that probably, you know, if I'm looking at this, and we've all been there. We have company over, and the kids have created this horrible mess in the house. And we want to be seen as perfect moms or perfect dads. So what do you do? We go around, we hide stuff, we throw blankets into closets, things like that. It was it had all the, the components needed for a really compelling story that we all have in our minds. And they were able to do it in six seconds. That's why story is so important. You Don't tell me you can't do this on a, you know, 30 second ad. That's not true. I can do it in a six second ad. I can do it on a piece of print. The, the, the best ad we ever created, I, I just love it from a behavioral science perspective, was an ad that we did for a um, a pet food manufacturer. And all it was, was a cool little um, dog. It was a, a, like a Springer Spaniel and it was jumping up and it was, it was a yellow background and the dog was jumping. There's a little treat above its head and it just said, thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. And all that, if you're a pet owner, you know exactly what that is. Like the treat was coming from the mom, the pet parent who looks at that that animal just like its child. And then there was a sense of like nurturance. There was love there because the dog is saying, thanks, mom. So there's a sense of relationship and the dog is so excited and the energy and you can see the whole dog in in the screen. It's trying to grab this little treat. And I was like, I could do that with two words and one picture. So stories, as much as it's hard, a lot of people tell us we can't, we can't possibly do an entire story in a, uh, a 30 second ad, I, I, I beg to differ. You can do it. Good creatives understand that the story is built in the person's head. You have to find a way to pull that whole story out very succinctly. And in this case, it was one dog, one treat, two words. As you were telling that story about the floor. Yeah. So this um, past week, for whatever reason, my parents needed to go to my brother's house. And my brother was saying, Okay, they can come on this day. And the reason he was saying on this day is because he needed to clean up all the mess. Okay, now why did he want that mess cleaned up before his parents got there? Right? 
So there was the problem. Yep. There was the, the agitation. The problem is parents are coming. My house is a mess. The agitation is I want to appear as a good son. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that they don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. That That's his emotion. Yep. Solution. Resolution. Come come later. Can't come on this day. Yeah. Right. Come later. That's my that's my resolution. I'm I'm, I'm buying time. Right. Yeah. So because this is the solution, it's going to take a long time. So that the product could have popped in there, and yeah. got it done in minutes instead of needing a whole day. That's right. Every every commercial you see, I think follows this. Like I was thinking the Swiffer because, because the reason why I came out, I saw a Swiffer commercial, and the Swiffer commercial has the same idea. The context you always see. The young stay-at-home mom, or maybe she came home from work and she's looking at the house and there's dust all over. That's the context. The confrontation is they always sweep their finger and there's all this dust or like you see the dust coming off the TV. And all of a sudden the resolution is a Swiffer sweeper all across and then ding and she gets back to her day. It's on mop commercials. It's it's everywhere. Context or the setup, confrontation, and then resolution. Now to do that right, there are lots of ways of doing that right, but you can use story brand to do that, You whatever. My point is if you understand your desires of your customer, if you build that real deep empathy, you're focusing on your benefits and not your features. You're not talking about our mop holds four liters of, we don't, they, Swiffer didn't have to do anything of that. They don't have to do anything like that. You tell it in a story, you create an advertisement that is incredibly impactful and it's award-winning. And that story, the resolution is not picking up the dust. Mm -hmm. The resolution is, I don't feel like a bad homemaker because my place is dusty. And, and you know that confidence? I can just see the commercial right now. She she looks confident. She looks around the room and she smiles and you have that mm-hmm. kind of chest pumping moment because mm-hmm. that's right. I'm the good wife. I'm the good husband that has a clean house like your brother. Mm-hmm. So that when your parents come over, you don't have to worry about me. Look at this amazing house. That's yeah. the resolution. That's right. Yeah. All right. So great show here. Bill's popping in again here with... Uh, so similar to a great comedian on stage. That's us. We're comedians on a stage here. It is. Yeah, that's very, very much so. It's real life, though. It is. Okay. It really is. Okay, so it's time when we get to play a little music, maybe ask a little questions, and watch our favorite scientist dance. All right. So how do you currently collect feedback from your customers? Will yeah, each. I, I do it in two ways. I do formal and informal. My formal feedback is if you take my masterclass, there's a customer satisfaction study at the very end of it, which I want. Um, and then um, what I also do is look, I look at reviews. Like for my Amazon book, I look at my Amazon reviews, um, reviews on websites, things like that. So those are my formal. My informal I like, and I think is even probably more important, would be repeat purchases. So if I have a client who's asking me for more and more proposals, that's a good sign. I'm collecting good feedback that like good things are happening. And um, LinkedIn requests after I do a presentation on stage, or if I do like a webinar, when I get LinkedIn requests, the number of LinkedIn requests I receive afterwards is a good indication that it went well. So those are those are informal ways I do it. And so I imagine there's a component of that is if you're, how do you measure the success of your marketing campaigns? Yeah. Gosh, there's so many ways to answer this. I ultimately, you should be tracking a change in behavior, a change in behavior only, not only, but that's the most, that's number one, right? Don't worry about awards. Don't worry about awareness. Don't worry about that stuff. You want to know open rates, click-through rates, 
purchases. That's the kind of stuff you want to worry about. You don't want to worry about awareness and top of mind, anything else, right? If you, if you focus on the behavior, that's the best way to know whether or not your creative is working or not. Excellent show, Will Nietzsche. Hey, it's the Will Nietzsche, what do they call it? A mic drop quote. Okay, sponsored by GrowStackCRM.com. No emotion equals no action. That's so true. If you wonder why folks aren't aren't moving, it's because there's not you didn't resolve that emotional challenge in there. In sales, I used to think like, why didn't they buy? Everything logically was aligned. It's going to do this. It was going to do that. I pointed it out, reviewed it a bunch of times, but they still didn't buy. What was the unknown thing in there? There was an emotional component that I didn't address and resolve. Resolve. I love that. Yeah, because you can have emotion, but if it doesn't resolve some sort of a barrier, then it's great. You put some emotion in there, but it wasn't enough or wasn't the right emotion. So Mm -hmm. no emotion, no action. It was all my emotion, not my customer's emotion, right? That's the mic drop moment sponsored by GrowStackCRM.com. Sounds like we're at an ice hockey game, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Will, if folks want you to look over their shoulders on what they're doing with their marketing, their messaging, what do you recommend? Yep, I would recommend you going to the mindstategroup.com it's actually called mindstategroup.com <laughs> so uh take a look at, at mindstategroup.com go to the website connect with me we can set up a quick appointment or just send me an email there's a there's a place for you to do it just go follow the red boxes you can connect with me via email and i would be happy to talk to you about your marketing and how we can use behavioral science to really make a deep emotional connection with your with your customers and grow your business and buy his book it's a great book. Many copies are sold every month. That's the truth. And it really uh, up-leveled our agency for sure. So if you got an agency, you are you need a competitive advantage. This book, um, what's it called? Marketing in the Mind States by Will Leach. Get it. Read it. Reach out to Will. He's approachable. He's around. He'll Even with you. a leather jacket. That's right. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll meet you. He'll meet you at a restaurant, and he, it's a funny thing. He always asks, no matter what the kind of restaurant it is, what's your chili recipe? <laughs> That's right. All um, right. And we're rolling out here with this nice outro. But you know that this is a podcast that you can listen to while you drive, while you work in the yard, while you ride your bike on all your favorite podcast channels. But if you like to watch, it's on YouTube as well. Send it to your folks that you think about that would love to know about this particular show. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Mind State Marketing Hour. I'm Steve Brown, your co-host. Will Leach, any last word before I hit end broadcast? We are good to go. Get emotional, everybody. Go win some awards. Go drive your business. for listening to the Vine State Marketing Hour podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you stay up to date with each episode. And please share this podcast with others who could benefit from hearing Will's insights on all things marketing. Each episode has supporting information in the book, Marketing to Mind States. And for more information, visit us at mindstategroup.com.